0: It's great to see you here today. I want to welcome all those that are watching online as well. You know, we've got people watching all around the world. We've got uh, Apostle Tamara from Ethiopia possibly watching this morning. I don't know if you watched him on uh, our interview during the week, it was just absolutely fantastic. But I want to extend a warm welcome to those that are watching uh, here uh, from uh, around Hawke's Bay, around New Zealand, and across the world as well. Heidi, mai, Heidi, mai, welcome. Great to have you here. How many people got touched by the Holy Spirit this morning? Amazing. Thank you, worship team. Just an amazing job this morning. And uh, again, want to extend my love to uh, to Henadai and Yafano. Just great to have you here, and uh, we love you so much. And uh, just a great blessing to the community. And uh, hey, this morning, want I want to share something I've felt I've actually had in my heart for a while. Uh, I just hadn't had the felt to bring it out. But I've just been watching. I watch a lot. I watch how uh, I watch how people relate. I watch how the world turns. I watch how people relate in the world. I watch how uh, people relate as a church. I watch how churches relate. I watch how, my own, how I relate myself. and um, I'm also very hungry for revival. I, I sense that God, I mean, we see in one hand that there's turmoil in the world. But I also sense this, that uh, revival is very, very close. I believe revival is, is far closer than we can ever imagine and it's not about having the lucky numbers come up one day, but I believe this. There are things that you can do, there are things that I can do now to bring revival perpetually in our lives. I'll say that again. There are things that you and I can do in our lives today. There are ways that we can live our life that perpetually generate revival. In other words, I'm not, having to sit and wait for revival to come over my life or not having to sit and wait for revival to come over a nation. I, I don't have to sit. There are things that we can do right now. The, the design, the original design of God is that we would live perpetually in a place of revival. Hello. And it's the plan, it was the original design of God that we perpetually live in, 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 in revival. That perpetually and consistently, our lives are being transformed. Our lives are not, not just ourselves, but the world has been made better by His work in our life. That's the original design of God. And one of the things I've been searching on and just looking at is this. Again, looking at how people relate and, and, and the effect of how we relate. Because the way that we live our life, the way that we relate one to another, the way that I choose to relate, the way that we relate as a church, the way that we live our life has an an effect on how the world exists. When a lot of the things that we see in our world today is an outworking as the fruit of how people relate. Somebody say, I can relate this morning. I can relate. And so one of the things I, I was looking at is I wanted to come back to original design. What are the foundations? What is the design of God for how we should relate? How we relate? How do I relate as a as an individual to the people around me? How do I relate as, as in, the, in the concept of a church? How do I relate? To other churches, how do I relate? How should the church relate in regards to the community? So the whole thing about relationship this morning, coming back to original design. And I believe this, when you start to fiddle with original design, you end up messing things up. (laughs) When you start to try and adapt and try and add things in that shouldn't be there or try and modify things that shouldn't be modified, you'll find that it'll bring something else into the world. However, you will find, according to Scripture, I will prove it to you. I will absolutely prove it to you over the next couple of weeks that when you when you and I make a decision to follow into the original design of God, of God, you'll find that our life can be in a state of perpetual revival. I love that idea. I love that idea. Let me let me open up the scripture this morning. So, I'm actually going to give you a few of my hand notes today because when I when I prepare, I just sometimes I just sit there and just sketch things out. So, so this morning you'll also see some of my. My sketches, do not bring them up just yet, but you'll see them. Uh, so come back to original design. I want to just, there's a number of places we can start, but I'm going to start in Deuteronomy chapter 7, and, uh, and we'll start in verse, just two verses, verse 9 and verse 12. The context of this is simply this, that uh, God has, has called his people, he's called his people out of bondage, he is, uh, he is, he is setting them this particular context this particular piece of scripture he is setting them up for their journey forward in other words he is setting them for he is setting them up for uh, prosperity he is setting them up for uh, for greatness so and so there's two particular verses I want to bring out and I want to open them up for you this morning and so one of the things he's doing is he is he is defining relationship in other words the relationship is not just happening organically they, that God God is creative, but He also does things by design. He he purposefully sets relationships, purposefully has set things up in particular ways because He knows that they work. Let's open up this morning. And He says, so in verse 9, know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping His covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love Him and keep His commandments. Again, He's talking about Uh, He's he's establishing relationship, and the effect of that relationship goes on for a thousand generations. In other words, he's saying the effect of this, the way that the relationship is established, has a perpetual effect. Are you with me this morning? Perpetual means this. Perpetual just seems, it just keeps on going. In other words, if you follow this design, it'll just keep working. In fact, it won't just keep working as it is. It'll actually grow in momentum, and you see that through Scripture. So when I opened up again, and so in verse 12, he says, If you pay attention to these laws and are careful to follow them, then the Lord your God will keep His covenant of love with you as He swore to His ancestors. In other words, the the, the thing I want to bring out here this morning is this. There's a particular line that, that, that repeats itself twice in this particular context, in this verse. And that is covenant of love. You can easily read through this piece of scripture and just completely just read over that. However, one of the things I wanna bring out to you this morning is it seems like it will be a minor matter, except this key phrase happens and reoccurs in in three specific moments of Israel's history. Not only that, it actually, you see its effect all throughout uh, throughout mankind. You see it all the way through the Bible. And this is where it says a covenant of love. Somebody say covenant of love this morning. The second place we see this particular line is this, when Solomon's great prayer at the consecration of the temple of Jerusalem. In other words, when when Solomon had rebuilt the temple and he had brought the temple back to the Lord and he offered it to the Lord, he offered, he brings up this prayer in 1 Kings 8, verse 3, 23. He said, the Lord God of Israel, there is none like you in heaven and above or on the earth below who who with a covenant of love with your, ser- who has, has established a covenant of love with your servants who continue wholeheartedly in your own, in your way. Again, it repeats again in uh, in the book of Nehemiah where the revival of Ezra, when Ezra gets up and, and, and Nehemiah's rebuilt the temple and re- uh, rebuilt the city and like uh, again, it's, it's a prophetic picture. And Ezra bring, brings out the word, and there's a great revival. The same thing is mentioned. He said in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 32, Now, therefore, our God, the great God, and almighty God, and awesome, who keeps his covenant of love, do not let all this hardship seem trifling in, in your eyes, the hardship that has come upon us, on our, on our kings and leaders. And, then, and he goes to say, so one of the things he's talking about here is in every... At every single stage where a covenant is affirmed or where relationship is established or re-established, the NIV version say uh, talks about a covenant of love. And this morning, what I, I want to bring out to you this, this morning is this, is that the foundation of our relationship, so relationships never just happen. There, there's always... There always needs to be an underpinning foundation. Just bring up that for my first scribble. Yeah. So what? what one of the things we see here is God is establishing relationship with people. And you see that uh, all throughout the Bible, the, the whole scripture, the whole thing about God is about relationship with mankind, relationship with people. It's not just about relationship with uh, people, but it's about our relationship one with another as well. I mean just put the next slide up as well. And when you look at it when you think about uh, you think about marriage, marriage is a is a is a relationship. It's a it, 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 there's certain things that underpin a marriage. There, is, there are certain things that underpin our relationship with God. There are certain things that underpin our relationship with children, for example. You think about our children. The, 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 the way that we relate as a, as a married couple is slightly different from the way that we relate to our children. The, the way that the church relates to, uh, that's all part of it. You, you think about our nation, for example. I mean, our, fa- our nation is based on something. It didn't just happen. The Treaty of Waitangi forms a pivotal foundation to the way that we should be relating as a nation. So it doesn't just happen out of nothing. It happens, and so one of the things I've got, this is just one of my scribbles anyway, is that relationship underpins everything. Absolutely everything. It's not about, we live in a world of information and, and data right now, but that's got, Very little to do with actually how the world really works. The way that we live our lives, the foundation upon everything is relationship. Relationship. And I wanna just open up just a little bit. Um, It's interesting that this, that uh, when you look at the original translation, I I, I found this, this is one of the things I discovered. The NIV says a covenant of love, but actually it doesn't really tell me much at all. And actually it's the wrong translation when I looked at the original translation, the way it is originally written, that's what I mean, coming back to original design, it it says, it actually uses two completely different words. It says this, now therefore, that the Lord your God, instead of, just for time's sake, instead of a covenant of love, he said he keeps the Brit and the chest. It means this. So, so, So there are simply two things. And every time you see uh, where God establishes covenant with people. He says it again, and he uses the same phrase exactly in 1 Kings with Solomon, who keep the Brit and the chest with your servants. And again, with Nehemiah, it, the original version says this, the, a great God is a great and awesome God who keeps his Brit and his chest. In other words, there are two key elements that underpin relationship. And if we don't understand what they are, or mess them up, one of the things we find is this, our whole world gets messed up. Right? You get them right, you come to original design and you'll find that we live, we've come into a state of perpetual revival. It's interesting that uh, in the critical moments when Moses renewed the covenant, when Solomon dedicated the temple and when people Ezra and Nehemiah rededicated themselves, it's interesting how they took the time to articulate these things, even though they were hundreds of years apart. They defined the relationship between God and people as one of brit and chest. I'll just bring that next slide up. Brit and chest. So there's two completely different. There's two uh, elements that undermine that make up relationships. Because it's easy to say that relationship, but I believe this, you've got to identify, you've got to define what relationship is because if you don't define what it is, how will you know how to live? So this is what we're gonna do this morning because if we can get this right, you'll find revival will just happen around us. Your revival will happen in your marriage. Revival will happen in your heart. Revival will happen in our community. So one of the things that we, when you look at uh, the relationship with God, our relationship with God, and also our relationship with one another. There are two key words that are, that are used, not just a covenant of love, but there are two different words that are used. And i open up. So one, the word Brit over here means, it literally means this, it means covenant. It means covenant, it's, it, it, it's not a business contract. It's not a, a handshake or anything like that. No, no, it's much deeper than that. They're one of the core elements that establishes our relationship with one with another. One of the core things that establishes our relationship with God is Brit. In other words, it's a covenant relationship. It's not just a good idea. It's not just a relationship where you come and go. No way. The other one is this, this is the word chest, which means love. And this is what I wanna unpack this morning because it's not just a relationship of covenant. There's it it's actually also a relationship of love. Somebody say, keep your love on today. You're following me this morning. It's, it's really important that we understand I've been, I've been waiting on this for, for a long time. And uh, so when you look about, you look for, for example, your marriage. The, the, your marriage is based on a covenant. Your, your marriage relationship is based on what? It is based on what? It is based on covenant, but it is also based on love. All right, what about the relationship with your children? Is it based on covenant or love? It's based on love. You don't enter a covenant with your children. You enter, it's based on love. So one of the things that you'll find is this, that the relationships that we have in our life are either based on one or the other or both. When it comes to the issue with God, it is both. When it comes to the issue of our nation, it is we are, we are covenantally bound together. And if you try and dismantle that, you're going to create problems. If you try and disrupt it, if you try and water it down, if you try and take it away, it's going to destroy the nation. Our very, the very fabric of our nation was designed by a covenant. And I believe this, that there also needs to be love in there. Are you with me this morning? And I just, so, so I'm just going to open up. Can I just open it up a wee bit more for you? Because because it's important that you really, we, we really grasp this. So he's, go to the next slide. So, Brit, so under Brit or under covenant, covenant is made up of basically two words. Right? You've got mishpat over here, which simply means laws or, or, the, or, or legal stuff. I simply mean it's, it's justice. In other words, there is the law of God. God has laws in which we operate under. The universe has laws in which we operate. Our nation has laws in which we operate under. So there is a, there's a part of the kingdom that is mishpat. There's a part of our relationship with, with both God and with also with people that is defined by, by justice, legal, and laws. In other words, when you get married, one of the things that happens is that there is, it's, a, it's a law-binding agreement. right? When you get married, you sign things over, you sign you sign your money over. <laughs> you sign a government, you 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 sign a government form. In other words, there is a legal binding that takes place. And the same thing with our relationship with the Lord, there is there is a there is a legal or there's a justice system that happens that we enter into. There is a justice system that operates in the kingdom. There is a justice system that operates in, this, uh, in our nation. There's a justice system that operates in the way that we relate. The other part is this, sadaka, which means morality. Essentially, it's this, it's righteous living or or how we live or how we treat people, right? It's, it's, it's different from, in other words, what's morally right can be illegally wrong. What's illegally right can be morally wrong, you know? You can see this happen in the news all the time where people get upset how somebody was either found not guilty or you know what I mean. So there's two things that make up covenants, mishpat and sadaka. However, the thing is, the difference between both, and so then the next one is this, chest is love. Let me open up. So what then is the meaning of chest? And I, when you look at the relation, when you look at the um, NIV translation, it's, it talks about a covenant of love. But actually love is so ill-defined, it is so broad. How do you get it real specific so we know exactly what it means? Because I believe this. Can we just open up the next slide? Chest means this. One of the, uh, one of the Hebrew uh, Jewish theologians described it as this. Describe, explain the, the expression of chest as this. Excess. Or, and it literally means this. It means an act of of excess love, an act of excess love, it also means this, it means extraordinary kindness, God is kind, God is kind, it is extraordinary love, it's an excess of love, in other words, it's an overflow, it is a, somebody say excess of love. Excessive love. And I believe if one thing our our world needs today afresh is excess love. Excess love. I can tell you right now, you can have a, a marriage in the eyes of God. You can be doing the right thing, fellas, by doing the dishes. Sometimes I think this. Sometimes I think, here's the difference between the two, right? Here's the difference. These two over here, they're reciprocal. In other words, I do this for you and you do that for me. I will be this to you and you will be that for me, right? That's essentially what makes up covenant. So doing the right thing is a good thing to do. I I mean, live right. However, Many people this is where like, I mean the idea of karma comes in, you know, like do the right thing and the things will come back to you. Again, again it's a it's a reciprocal thing. A lot of people do things they have the appearance of being that of love, but actually it's really reciprocal. It's just doing the right thing. You're doing it to get something back. Right? Nothing wrong with morality, and I believe one of the things is there's a there's caused a, a disruption and and and, and, and destroying the fabric of our nation, destroying the fabric of even church, for example, destroying the fabric of relationships. One is there is a breakdown of covenant. Two, there's a breakdown of morality. And there is a breakdown or a, a perversion of what love is. Love is excess. So the difference between these two, this one here is reciprocal. This one here is one way. So where does love come from? Where where does this particular love come from that, that the Lord establishes His covenant with us with? It comes from the heart. It's not based on what you can do for me or what I can do for you. It's not based on any of that. When somebody acts towards me in chest, that is an act of pure grace. I have done nothing to deserve it. Just open up, uh, go to the next slide. In other words, there is no obligation attached to it. There is, it's one way. In other words, I'm not doing what I'm doing just to be seen in order or to try and gain favor with somebody else. It's got nothing to do with that at all. That's just that. Pure love, it's pure. Chess love is pure love. It's undeserved. It's, other translations say it's the grace of God. It's the unmerited grace of God. In other words, I'm living my life not just because it's the right thing to do or to try and gain favor with somebody. I'm living our our, our relationship with God is based first and foremost on a pure act of love and grace that is undeserved. How much would our world change today if the way that we lived our life was not just about doing the right thing or based on laws or anything like that. But what say that our love, the, the way that we lived our life, the way that we expressed our life was pure chest. In other words, there was a flow of unconditional grace coming out. We did things not because we can get anything back, but just simply because our heart is pure. Are you with me this morning? Chest is unconditional grace. And when you see the, how, how God established relationship, how it's supposed to be, it's, in the, in the, it's in the, under the foundation of, of, of covenant, mishpat and sadaqah, but it's also about love. It's about unmerited grace, unmerited favor. And when you start to see this, you can see it all through the Bible. Interesting, that loving. another way of saying it is loving kindness. In other words, it's actually an act of kindness, not just a feeling, but it's an actual physical demonstration of love and kindness, which is one way. In other words, you got nothing expecting, nothing back. We just sang it just before. Lord, I don't want anything from you. You don't owe me anything. You don't owe me this. You don't owe me that. It's just, I'm here to worship you. Let me explain. Let, let. You think about romance, you think about, again, coming back to marriage. Marriage, you've got this and this, but romance, ah, this is where romance sits here. Romance is just, you're doing something not just to get something back. Yeah, I oh know. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. <laughs> you're doing the dishes, you're doing that stuff just to, yeah. That's reciprocal. Yeah. Romance is here. I'm just loving you because I love you. This is, this is where prayer and worship sits. How would our prayer life change? How would our worship change? I'm worshiping you with all my heart so I can get something back. <laughs> I'm praying hard out, so I can get something back. How would our, how would the spiritual atmosphere in our life change, if our prayer was based on just pure love? I'm not asking anything. What about in the way that we related to one another as a church? I mean, I see it amongst pastors. I'll preach in your church, you come preach in my church, and share each other's offerings and. Just re- I can tell you right now, it can smell it a mile away. That is not the way that we are called to relate. The way that we are called to relate is that we're called to pour out, not trying to get anything back. It is undeserving. It is unmerited grace. What about how the way that we related one to another? What about to the people around us? What about to the stranger? What about to the, to the lost people? That we're not trying to get them to say our sorry Jesus prayer or get them to our church or anything like that. It is just... Because there is grace in my heart and because. How much would would that revive people's life? I'm going to pay your power bill. I don't want anything back from you. I'm just here to pay your power bill. That's it. I'm here to pay your mortgage. I don't want anything back. You don't even need to know who I am. I just want to pay your mortgage. I want to just release you of that debt grip. I don't want you to come to my church. Nothing. I just want you to know that you're loved. That's it. I'm just going to cook you a meal. I don't want anything back from you. I just, it's just love. It just, it's an excess. Yeah. That's what Jesus taught about going the second mile. It's about excess love. Yeah. That's the whole point of it. You with me this morning? Yeah. Even a uh, Jewish theologian says in, in Psalm 89 verse 3, even the very act of creation is an act of God's loving kindness. Creation was an act of pure chest. When you look at, the, I was standing outside last night, looking at the stars and thinking, "God, you did all that just—not that we deserved it or earned it in any particular way. It's just that you loved people, and that you are love. You and foremost, first and foremost, God is love. God is chest. God is full of unconditional grace. God is full of just grace that just wants to go one way." Here's another example, the book of Ruth. When you look at the story of Ruth, for example, the whole story of the book of Ruth simply encapsulates one principle. The book of Ruth encapsulates one principle. The, the only principle, it actually, one of the only ones that captures is this. It's this whole story is, is defined into one word. Chest, unmerited favor, unconditional love. With Ruth, with Naomi, but also with Boaz, with with um, with Ruth. The whole story is that of unmerited and undeserved love and grace. That's the whole story. However, when you look, and this is where, where, this is where it gets really, really exciting. You look at the, pro, every, here, because the, the way that we relate, when, when these things are active in our life, when, when we live in covenant relationships, see, I, my relationship with you is that of covenant. In other words, I don't just walk away because I feel like walking away and going to another church. No, 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 I don't do that. Why? Because the basis of my relationship with you is covenant. In other words, I'm connected to you, heart and soul, baby. (laughs) I'm gonna do the right thing. In other words, there's things that I can do, but I'm not because it's the wrong thing morally. More than ever, though, I do this because I love you. I don't need anything back from you. My life is quite good without you. However, hear that in the right way, somebody don't get offended. <laughs> I'm actually quite secure in who I am in God. I don't need you to, I mean, I love your kindness, but I'm not dependent upon it. What I give to you, is it's an, it's an act of love. I don't need anything back from you. I give you my, I have given you my heart. And I don't need anything back from you. That's the motivation of why we do what we do. Ministry is not something that's supposed to be reciprocal. Ministry is supposed to be this one way. However, we enter into covenant, we enter into other things that bind us together. I'll open up for you that at another another stage. But listen, the outcome. What was the outcome of the of the the relationship of? of chess that Ruth and Naomi had. What was the outcome of that? The outcome of that was this, the greatest king that the nation of Israel had ever seen and ever has in their entire lifetime. That was King David. The King David came, his lineage is connected to the love, the chess love that Naomi and Ruth and Boaz and and, and, and Ruth, and Ruth had together. The outcome of that, the produce of a pure, unconditional, undeserved, unmerited grace, unmerited favor, what it produced was one of the greatest and most powerful kings. And Jesus said this, that he is going to restore that when he comes again. So you want to get revival? Here. You jump forward to the New Testament. The same two elements of relationship were not just renewed, but they were made even better. So when God, when 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 God the Father sent His Son Jesus Christ into the earth, that's what the New Testament, the New Covenant, is about. And it's not just about taking away all of this and just having it all up. No, 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 no. There is a couple of th- there's a few things in here that like the law of sin and death. That is what got changed. There are still a whole pile of laws of God that are still relevant today. It still means that the way that we live also has an effect. But first and foremost, again, this here has been upscaled a little bit more. Are you with me this morning? In the New Testament, we see the s- same elements, covenant and love renewed, but made even deeper, with a whole new, deeper expression of chest. For God so loved the world, so God so had, had chest in his heart that he wanted to give. and oh, Unmerited favor, unmerited grace. That's the heart of God. The covenant of the Holy Spirit. The, the See, God, when he gave us a new covenant, he gave us a covenant of the Spirit. I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. The, the, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is a, is, a, is a new covenant. I'll unpack that another day. But, but He has given in the Spirit of chest. So if you want to understand how the Holy Spirit works, He moves in unconditional grace. He moves in loving kindness. He moves in acts of love. The outcome of this new covenant that was established, the outcome of this new sedaka, the outcome of this new and revitalized chest that was given to the earth, its the church. It's you and I. And there's gonna come a time where Jesus will come again and there'll be something else produced again. See, one of the things we can see is this, that the fundamental relationship of how the fundamentals of relationship of how we are called to relate with God and how we are called to relate with one another there is a, a, a cycle thing, a reciprocating, but there's also a chest, there's also a love. So, the thing is, and just in finishing up shortly, this is the foundation of our faith, and this is how we're called to live in a world that is full of injustice and hate. Just put the next slide up. See, God is chest. Jesus gave his life as, as an act of love. Here as well, salvation is found and discovered. It's, it's not found by keeping all the laws, it's, keeping by, it's found, it's discovered by receiving the grace, the unmerited favor of God. The Holy Spirit was given in chest and in brick, and the outcome of that was the, is the church. But one of the things that we see is this in a world full of injustice and hate. We are called to be a people that bring contrast that will live in covenant and chest. The devil has perverted love and tried to dismantle covenant and that's why we see some of the issues in the world we have today. You see what Netflix is wanting to bring out in relationship with kids and they think that's love. It's got nothing to do, that's just perversion. Uh, absolute perversion, that's not love at all. Love is one way. Pure chest love is one way. In other words, I'm not trying to get anything back. You look at how people now start to relate. When people are totally consumed with I, I I, I do what is right because it's right for me now. That's not how we're designed to live. When your relationship with God is, when you just come to church or just come to a church family, just when you feel like it, that's certainly not covenant. When you take off, and take a hike, the moment that there's a bit of an offence or something bad went down or something you just, it's not covenant, That's not chest. It's not the way to live. Yet we pray for a revival, yet we don't live according to the way that God called us to live. Covenant and chest. Not very hard to understand. People ask, why do you serve so much in church? Why do you serve so much? Why do you go to church so many times? Why do you serve so much? Why do you give so much of your time to the church? Very easy. It's love. <laughs> I'm not after anything back. It's actually, it's reflective that my heart's got full of love. And I'm not gonna let your lack of love try and pour cold water on my willingness to serve. Why do you give so much of yourself? Why do you just hold back? Why do you have to go to church? every Why do you do all that sort of stuff anyway? You're serving too much. I can tell you right now, sister, you tell them. Don't you be pouring that cold water on my hot love, baby. Because I can tell you right now, When you capture chest, when you capture what it means to truly love. See our love can sometimes grow cold. That's what Jesus said, don't forget your first love. First love is not reciprocal. First love is one way. I love you so much. That's why I serve. That's why I come to this house. That's why I do what I do. That's why I keep doing, I wanna give myself more. Why? Because the more I give, it demonstrates that I've got more love inside of my heart. And if I'm only giving a measure of my life, if I'm, if, 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 if I'm just doing things for, just to get something back, that's not pure chest. If I'm just serving just so I can be noticed and get a position, that's not chest. If I'm giving just so I can get something back or try and build credibility, that's not chest at all. That's not pure love chest is this, it's one way. It's given regardless of the worth of the beneficiary. In other words, a person could be financially worth a million dollars. You show them some love. It might be worth nothing financially. Show them some love. It's got nothing to do with any of that. It's just simply got to do with what's in your heart that I'm pouring out of my life. How much would our life change? How much would revival happen in our nation? How much would revival happen in your life if you just gave a bit of romance to the Lord, gave a bit of romance to the wife? Just give some one-way love. And I believe there's people here today, there's things like offense, there are things that are like disappointment. What it does, it gets like a bucket of cold water and it tries to quench your love. What we need is a love resurrection. Do we know that song? Is it by Alison Moyo <laughs> No, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> It's not old one. I'm just showing <laughs> you all need a love. No, I'm not even trying to sing it. But you know the song, huh? <laughs> we need a, a pure love resurrection. That's all we need. Why do you serve so much? Because my heart is full of love. My heart is full of chest. Why do I do what I do? Well, I'm actually part of a wider body of Christ, so I don't act independently. When I make decisions, if I do things, I don't just do it out of randomness. I'm aware of the fact that my, my actions have a consequence on somebody else next to me. So I do the right thing, I live righteously. In other words, I think not just of myself, but I think about how my actions now affect on somebody else. That is why I don't just walk away and just hop from one thing to the next, why? Because when I am here and then I move away, I leave a hole (laughs) and that hole can have a negative effect. So I'm careful about the decisions that I make. I'm careful about what I do. What kind of effect will that have on the whole? It might be good for me, but it might be destructive for the whole. That's the whole thing of morality. It's a whole different story again. But primarily is this, I'm covenantly connected to a body where I have face-to-face connection. That's why Facebook church is okay, it's it's kind of good. But actually what it doesn't do, it doesn't get you to relate face-to-face. And that is where true relationship is found. I hear people say, I'm connected to the wider body of Christ. That tells me, Sounds pretty spiritual, but it tells to me that you've got no idea about covenant, and you've got no idea about morality, and probably you're just full of your own self-love. Oh, boom! <laughs> it. Caught. No, no, no. I'm covenantly connected. I'm. I'm here with people who talk to me relate to me face to face. They can talk to me about the things that I need to be uh, spoken to about. They, they can help me refine my character. They can speak into me. Think, see, the thing about the internet, an internet church, you can have all the image of being spiritual, but uh, what you don't have is the covenant connection. therein lies the power. The revival, the, the Holy Spirit's going to come is not based on what's On your silly Facebook posts, no matter how spiritual they are, it comes out of relationship. It comes out of covenant relationship. It comes by not just thinking of myself, but thinking of how what I do affects the body that I'm connected with. It also comes with pure, unadulterated, undeserved love and grace. The first thing we can start today was a resurrection of that inside of our life. Stop trying to do things to try and get something back from somebody else. Just love for the sake of loving. I promise you, I promise you, historically, it has proven to be true that that is how revival comes. Let's just stand to our feet. When we love, when we we pray, when we worship, It's an act of love. I'm not trying to get anything back from Him. We just want to be with Him. I just want to pour out my love on Him. Let's worship, just for a moment. Jesus. Let's stand to our feet. resurrection in your life, why don't you just lift up your hands and worship Him? is found in chest it's discovered there you can't earn it there's nothing you can do the only thing that you can do is acknowledge it and receive it you may be here today you may have everything in the world or you may have nothing if you just open your heart and say Jesus I receive your love today I receive your forgiveness I receive your grace I thank you receive it today maybe you're here today and that that love has just gone cold you're doing things just to get something back if you were really honest when was the last time you just did something just as an overflow of your love maybe it's making a meal for somebody paying somebody's bill loving them once a year once a month once a week how about on a daily basis how much would our world change if on a daily basis we kept our love resurrected we kept our love hot we kept that gate of our heart open I'm not going to let somebody's negativity pour cold water on the love of my heart baby no one's going to keep giving I'm not going to let misunderstanding Quench the love flow out of my life. See, friend, it's a, decisions that, it's a decision that we make, and it comes from a place of a healthy and a clean heart. I encourage you today, don't let anything get in there and defile your heart. The more our heart becomes whole, the more you start to give, the more you start to experience the chest love that comes out of your life. Father, thank you today for your goodness. Thank you for your unconditional, your unmerited favor. Thank you, Lord, for your the love that you so gave for us. Pray, Lord, that today, that that love would arise in our hearts afresh. Pray that, Lord, there would be a resurrection of love in our lives today, in Jesus' name. Pure love, unadulterated love. Love for one another. Love for the stranger. Love for the people that are different love for the people that are different of our culture, Lord, I pray that today, you would speak to our heart, that we would go the extra mile for people that are different, we would go the extra mile that we would go in excess, in excess, excessive love, overflow, Excessive praise, that excessive praise, that excessive giving, that excessive worship, that excessive generosity, that excessive kindness flow from our life today. In Jesus' name. Come one more time.